everyone. My name is Alexandra Perry, and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily podcast. Joining me today is our technology analyst, Jason Stutman. Jason has just recently written a piece about an energy metal that is pretty exciting, and I invited him onto the podcast to talk about it. Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Allie? Good. So I suppose the best place to start is why this metal, this energy metal, is valuable and how it is part of the lithium-ion battery, even though it is not lithium itself. Yeah, so uh, lithium-ion battery is a little deceiving because lithium is just one component of it, uh, and it's actually not the bulk of it. So I guess what we want to talk about today is cobalt. Cobalt is a, a high-energy uh, density metal. Uh, is used in the, uh, the cathode of lithium-ion batteries. And essentially what cobalt does is it allows electric cars and mobile device batteries to extend their range between charges. So, uh, you know, the, if you want your, your battery on your iPhone to last longer, you need cobalt. Uh, the Apple iPhone, actually, the cathode is made of 100% cobalt. And the same, the same thing applies for uh, electric vehicles and uh, storage units. So the Tesla Powerwall uses 33% cobalt in its cathode and the the battery for the Model S uses, I believe, uh, about 15% of, of the cathode is, is made of cobalt. So it, it's a necessary metal for you know energy storage and a lot of uh, tech companies that pretty much anyone that needs a, needs a rechargeable battery is going to rely on cobalt. What I think is so interesting about cobalt is I actually, the largest complaint I hear about companies that are producing electric cars, specifically Tesla in this case, is that why would you buy a car that can only cover so much you know mileage on a charge versus you could buy another car for significantly less that could cover way more mileage per, per cost and per time. Because if you're saying, hey, it takes me you know three hours to sit down and charge my electric car, even with like a lightning charger, it's going to take me two minutes to fill up my tank with gas at a gas station. So do you feel like cobalt is almost necessary for electric vehicles to become mainstream? Yeah, well, so with electric vehicles, there's always a trade-off between between the time it takes to charge and the uh, how long a charge is going to last. So cobalt uh, doesn't necessarily make a battery charge faster. It allows it to hold the charge for a longer period of time. Elon Musk actually recently talked about this, about the trade-off between uh, the charge time and how long it can hold the charge. And essentially they're opting right now to, to go with batteries that can hold the charge for longer because most people that own electric cars or electric vehicles are just charging them in their garage. We're not nearly at a point yet where we're gonna you're gonna be able to charge your electric vehicle at nearly as quickly as you will will be able to do with a, with an internal combustion engine. So uh, so cobalt is, is definitely necessary for keeping uh, long ranges on electric vehicles, which will be very important. You know, if you want to go on a road trip, you know, right now EV in- infrastructure, the charging infrastructure is just not there. So we're going to need uh, those long charge times, and cobalt is definitely a uh, strategic and necessary metal for that to happen. And what about the power walls? So obviously electric batteries are part of more than just electric cars. I think that electric cars dominate a large portion of the discussion right now just because we're on this cusp of electric car adoption. And we're, the public is asking you know, questions about how this car is going to operate compared to what we're used to. So, but in the case of electric homes, you know, you need something that could store enough energy for a disaster. Like say, I was thinking about this with the eclipse recently. Obviously, eclipses don't last for days, but if you were somehow cut off from the sun or you didn't have access to solar, you can have a cobalt-based battery and a power wall, and that should maintain a charge longer, better preparing you for disaster. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't really need an eclipse. You just need uh, <laughs> you just need, you just need a regular day. I mean, we have it happens every single day where the sun is, you know, 
for for eight to ten hours a day, there is no sun, and uh, you know that's a crucial part of Tesla's plan and a lot of uh, anyone who's trying to create um, you know a self-sufficient energy source. You, you need to be able to store the energy collected through solar or collected through anywhere else uh, in some kind of storage unit, such as the Powerwall. And uh, the Powerwall definitely uses a lot of cobalt. It uses uh, nickel and I think man- manganese as well. Cobalt is probably, in terms of supply and what how it's constrained, it is going to be the most important metal of of the equation. So this is a cool energy battle if we're just going to talk about, you know, longevity of the electric car and whether this vehicle is going to be able to enter mainstream markets and appeal to consumers. It's also a cool technology when we're talking in terms of investments because it's different than lithium and the production and supply chain is different than lithium. And I was wondering if you could kind of tell us what that chain of supply and demand looks like. Yeah, so cobalt's especially interesting because it's the supply is constrained uh, for two main reasons. The first main reason is that a little bit over half, anywhere between 50 to 60% of the, co- the global cobalt supply is produced in the, uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The DRC is currently rated, I think, seventh on the uh, world's fragile state index. Uh, they have a lot of issues with, with child labor. When you have the, the bulk of that supply coming from a nation that is just not particularly stable. It puts a company like Tesla at serious risk of just basically geo, any kind of geopolitical, uh, you know, disruptions. Uh, you know, if there's any kind of government overthrow, it could really mess up the supply chain. The second reason is that ninety, anywhere between ninety-seven to ninety-eight percent of the cobalt supply uh, is actually comes from. It's a byproduct of nickel and copper, which are two base metals that. Really, the demand for these base metals has not been increasing. The price of these metals has not been increasing. So because it's a byproduct of those two metals, uh, even if the demand for cobalt increases, the production is not going to increase along with it because it's not worth it's not worth it for for nickel and copper miners to produce more nickel and copper just so they can get the extra cobalt. So there's very few uh, pure cobalt mines that exist around the world. and uh, that's actually, I, I believe that those are going to be the mines that are going to benefit the most. Uh, basically, any, any you, you, we want battery grade cobalt, we want uh, primary cobalt mines, and then ethically sourced cobalt uh, are going to be, I think, are going to be very important in the future. So when we're talking about geopolitical turbulence, I can obviously see in respect to the Congo that there are reasons for concern because all it takes is social unrest. How do you find companies that are producing cobalt either ethically enough to make sure that supply and demand is insured or regulate companies or look at companies that are perhaps in that environment but have a better control of the geopolitical circumstances? Yeah, so... uh a lot of the companies are they're they're trying to self-regulate because they know that it's a PR disaster if they if they're caught you know I mean if if you can get a headline saying that you know Apple makes its batteries through child slave labor or it's the same thing for Tesla it really is a it's a PR nightmare for them so so they're kind of self-regulating and they're they're doing what they can to make sure that their supply of cobalt is ethically sourced it's definitely difficult for them to do that what Apple did as I said they're not going to purchase from artisanal mines anymore Tesla has vowed to to only source from North America. So uh, so that's that's definitely one way to do it is to basically, I mean, most, again, a lot of it is produced in uh, the, DR, the DRC. So if you take out Katanga, which is one of the, the largest areas there that you're gonna, you're gonna find child labor, if, if they're not sourcing from there, then that's definitely one way to guarantee that the cobalt is ethically sourced. 
I think a great place for investors to look because of that issue is going to be in, in North American uh, areas, specifically in uh, in Idaho, in uh, Lemhi, Lemhi County, is uh, is one of the few places where you're going to have uh, ethically sourced and uh, also pure grade cobalt mining. Do you think that these companies are probably going to see an influx of demand from American companies as this electric revolution speeds up? Or is it going to be a flurry of these companies, these few small ethically cobalt producing companies trying to meet demand as the market accelerates? The producers in the uh, in North America, are, are they're too small to meet the demand of the entire market. Uh, but it doesn't mean that, that uh, a company like Tesla or Apple is, is not aren't going to look for look to them. Uh, they're definitely going to be looking to these these tiny companies. I could talk about basically there's there's two projects that are worth looking at. One of them is the Idaho Cobalt Project or the ICP, and the other one is the Iron Creek Cobalt Project or the ICC. The ICP is uh, a little bit further along. The company that that has 100% ownership is uh, they get to touted as the only advanced stage near term, environmentally permitted and primary cobalt deposit in the United States. That is probably expected to go online in 2018. It was put on pause in 2013 because uh, market conditions weren't great for it. But now that uh, you have Tesla really pushing the extra cobalt demand, uh, it's they decided to put that project back online. The ICC or the Iron Creek Cobalt Project is uh, definitely further behind. There's currently no mineral reserve estimate on there, but they're definitely working on that. It's something to watch, but I, I would say that the, uh, the ICP... Uh, or the, the Idaho Cobalt Project is definitely where investors would want to look right now. If they're just to look at American companies. Yes, for American companies, absolutely. Those are the two projects that you want to look at. As far as as far as I'm aware, and and I could I could be wrong. I could be missing something. But those are the only two uh, pure grade cobalt projects that are on deck right now uh, in the U.S. My one concern is, obviously, it almost seems like cobalt is kind of sitting right behind an industry that's already charging forward. I don't know where Apple gets cobalt because, obviously, the iPhone battery is 100%. It's out of the three batteries we just talked about, Tesla, the Powerwall, um, the electric vehicle, and then the iPhone. The iPhone is the only one that's 100% cobalt. Obviously, technology adoption is not going down. It is accelerating. And there are more phones on this planet than people, which I think is a staggering number. Yeah. This is, it's, but so are you worried that these small companies are just not going to be able to keep up with demand and that eventually these big companies are just going to be forced to outsource to outsource to places where, you know, it might not be ethically produced, but it's being produced and it's feeding a mass consumer market? Or do you think that these small companies will actually receive kind of help and growth alongside of these American companies? I, I think one thing to keep in mind uh, is that an iPhone, the size of the battery is a very, very small portion of what a, uh, a battery for uh, electric vehicles is going to be. So you're definitely going to have exponential ramp of, uh, of demand for, for something like cobalt. In terms of whether or not I'm worried these companies are going to be able to meet the, meet the demand, uh, I think there's no question about it. They're going to have to look to uh, the DRC, and they're going to have to they're going to have to look to China. Uh, they're going to have to look to uh, to Canada. They're going to have American American uh, cobalt miners are not going to fulfill the, all the demand that's there. But because they are pure grade cobalt, they're going to be among the first companies that are looked to. And, and I think that's that's what's important uh, as an investor is to really kind of focus on the companies that that they're going to go to first. Even if those companies aren't going to be able to make you know produce as much as is needed, that's actually that's good. That's a good thing for them. It's because they're going to be the first ones that they go to, and they're going to be the ones who run out first. Well, I was thinking it was just interesting because I we've seen strategic partnership pay off very handsomely for smaller companies that are 
they might not be meeting the demand 100%, but they certainly are meeting the demand on American soil. I was thinking of Corning, and President Donald Trump actually, like, you know, commended Apple for giving Corning grants for development. But, like, Corning has made a huge amount of money on the Gorilla Glass iPhone screen. So, without that partnership, I doubt that Corning would be the company that it is today. And I imagine that it will be very similar for these small companies that are mining this cobalt. I mean, it's possible that you, that you, you know, you already have uh, partnerships in the works between Tesla and these North American suppliers, you probably do. You know, it's not gonna be public. They're not gonna, they're not gonna talk about that. I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, Tesla's gonna be giving them money in order to mine the cobalt. They wanna get it as cheap, you know, as cheaply <laughs> as possible. I, I would say the companies are definitely working together, but I, I have no clue what kind of partnerships, uh, you know, are there. I, I've looked through the, you know, the 10 Qs and the uh, the conference calls they're they're being quiet on those on those respects they're not going to they're not going to give away their secrets they're not going to say who they're supplying to or you know Tesla's not going to say who they're getting their supply from yes <laughs> it could be a double bladed sword if they're getting it from somewhere unethical then that can rebound very heavily i imagine for a company that's entire model is about ethical development yes yeah so they're going to keep that they're going to keep that quiet and when tesla said that i think in 2014 is when they said that they were going to uh, source from North America, they were specifically referring to the North American Gigafactory and not uh, any other Gigafactories. So all those other Gigafactories are probably going to be supplied from uh, Katanga. There will be unethical, you know, mining going on there. That's the way it's been for it's been that way for years. And uh, you know, the consumers consumers demand it. And the news headlines really don't they don't punish a company like Apple or they don't punish punish a company like Tesla. Those those companies are they're seen quite positively in, in, you know, by people who are environmentally conscious and people who are, you know, ethically conscious. For some reason or another, Tesla and Apple and a lot of Silicon Valley companies uh, have really been able to fly under the radar with that. I, I don't know exactly why, but that really is just the way that it has been. And I don't, I don't really see that, that changing any, anytime soon. I think a lot of the, the crowd that would get angry at, you know, things like slave labor are, uh, it's the same crowd that really loves electric vehicles. It's this, it's the it's the crowd that buys Apple products. So when they hear that, they don't want they don't really want to, and they don't they don't uh, get upset about it. Well, we know this is going to grow. Like we know there's no stopping electric vehicles. There's no stopping electric batteries, and not just from the American markets, from companies like Sonen Battery, which has been producing and dominating a huge amount of the home battery market. And I kind of wanted to get your take on where cobalt like how cobalt will increase in demand as we move forward, especially because electric batteries themselves are becoming less expensive. And we've managed to get the cost of the average electric battery down to a point where it's, it's becoming feasible that we can produce these vehicles for less. We're gonna talk about demand. Uh, I could throw a couple of statistics out there and how it relates to uh, electric vehicles. So today it's estimated about 40% of the uh, global cobalt supply is dedicated to making rechargeable batteries. Uh, according to the CRU group, within two years, that number is expected to reach uh, 55%. Darton Commodities has a pretty similar similar forecast with uh, 60% of all cobalt demand by 2020 being due to rechargeable batteries. Macquarie Research projects uh, a deficit of 885 tons of cobalt in 2018, 3,205 tons in 2019, and 5,004, excuse me, 5,340 tons in 2020, which is actually a deficit increase of over 550%, which uh, actually might just be 500%, but either way, it's pretty crazy to see that that level of deficit increasing. The demand for cobalt, or the expected demand for cobalt, is so much so, in fact, that you have a lot of hedge funds that are buying cobalt and hoarding it. 
a couple of Chinese companies bought uh, 16% uh, worth of the 2016 global supply, and they're just keeping it, you know, I guess in a warehouse somewhere uh, because they expect the cobalt demand, demand to go up. So I, I don't think there's any doubt about it that we're gonna we're gonna see uh, you know a bottleneck in cobalt, and that's gonna be the the single biggest uh, challenge for for Tesla and just EVs in general, um, because it's it's not even just the shortage. It's I mean that's gonna that's gonna increase the price. They're not the only ones buying this. They're gonna have to be they're gonna be basically bidding against uh, a lot of industrial suppliers, uh, major aero you know defense and aerospace manufacturers. So it's not gonna be an easy it's not gonna be uh, a very easy road for them. Uh, you know so making sure that these metals are available to them. If cobalt is kind of the picks and shovels play of electric vehicles, and I know you are not actually a huge fan of Tesla, or rather you have published articles in the past, you know, you were talking about where Tesla sits in this grand scheme of auto manufacturers, especially considering that big companies like Volvo have come out and say, you know, hey, we're going to have a hybrid electric car fleet, and these companies are well-versed at producing cars at affordable rates at very quickly. That said, like if Tesla is not a good buy, at least the idea that it started this electric vehicle idea is a good buy, and it's not going anywhere soon. It's important to draw the line between whether or not uh, I think that Tesla is you know a good company versus whether or not I think the the stock is valued fairly. You know I think Tesla is doing a lot of great things, and they they're they're engineering you know some brilliant products. Whether or not they can do it profitably is is the question. I'm kind of iffy on the, the EV uh, forecast. I think that some people are over forecasting it. I think you're going to have, uh, you know, there's a huge infrastructural challenge. I think that uh, once you have the uh, the subsidies disappear, and we've seen this already in uh, in China and excuse me in Hong Kong, uh, their subsidies went away for the for the Tesla. The Model S went from I think it was like 3,000 units sold in April to literally zero in May. They just, uh, or maybe it was March to April, I'm not sure, but within a month, it went from 3,000 sold to zero, and then the next month there were five sold. I, I think that there are many challenges for for the EV industry that a lot of people really are kind of overlooking, and there's a lot of hype right now around Tesla. Uh, a lot of people are discounting uh, advancements in internal combustion engines and the fuel efficiency that they're going to get. So I think it was Mazda that recently uh, had a breakthrough in their internal combustion engines that uh, would reduce uh, reduce fuel consumption by 30%. So, but I think either way, you're still going to have uh, a company like Tesla trying to, and I guess Volvo as well, they're going to push electric vehicles. I just think that right now the market's overvalued in terms of where people are looking at directly. That's why we try to look behind the scenes, we try to get the picks and shovels, and we look at something like Cobalt and we say, okay, well, even if Tesla fails, even if they're gonna be unprofitable for the next you know, five, 10, maybe 15 years, investors still have an option to profit by looking at uh, a, cobalt, a cobalt miner, uh, particularly uh, pure-grade pure cobalt miners in the US, because it doesn't matter whether or not Tesla's making money, they need this cobalt in order to uh, to keep their business operations running, and I think that's where investors want want to look right now. I do think that the market uh, for cobalt has become a little bit inflated on its own because uh, you know a lot of people have the same idea where they're they're trying to get that uh, the backdoor play, but by no means do I think that it's uh, overvalued to the point that uh, that Tesla is, and I still think that investors have a you know have a pretty good shot if they want to grab uh, cobalt early. I don't think those prices are going to go down. I think they're only going to go up. 
do you think like with cobalt we're not just seeing demand from electric vehicles we're also seeing demand from as i mentioned like sonin battery and the tesla powerwall and those actually have a huge percentage i think it's i don't remember what you said 15 percent um cobalt for the the powerwall for the powerwall 33 percent. 33 percent so it's a it's a big proportion of cobalt so even if the electric vehicle industry isn't as large as expected we still have other industries that are competing for the same exact energy metal yeah i mean and that that all just comes back to to cobalt's physical properties it has a high energy density and it's going it's going to be necessary i mean you have a small risk of uh you know these companies finding some kind of replacement which can happen pro- probably will happen at some point in the future uh as of now there's really it doesn't seem like there's any kind of synthetic uh variant that, that they're going to be able to look at as they, they can do with graphite it doesn't look like any of the new batteries that they're going to be producing are going with uh, panasonic are going to you know be much different than what we have today i think it's a very very strong possibility or strong you know strong bet that cobalt is going to continue being uh, a major strategic metal the, the one argument against that is because it's so limited in supply, they might right now be desperately looking for something else. Uh, but it, I don't know if they're going to be able to find it. Jason, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, it, was, it was cool to learn about something that's not lithium for once that is involved with the Tesla battery and electric batteries as a whole. And um, for investors that are interested in Cobalt, I'm going to link to our Cobalt resource page in the blog post below. If you have questions, feel free to reach out via Twitter, and we are always happy to answer questions on the podcast. For now, I hope everyone has a great evening. Thank you again, Jason. Thanks for having me, Allie. And good night.